Hey everyone, before the show starts this week, I just want to tell you all about a brand new free app called PodCoin. It's an app that actually pays you to listen to podcasts. Pays you in PodCoins, which you can then exchange for gift cards and other valuable items, or you can donate it to a charity of your choice. I've already benefited from this app. I mean, I got a nice gift card, gave some money to charity. It's awesome. All you have to do is download the app in the App Store or on your Android. Use the code WWTTPD and get 300 bonus pod coins just for signing up. Takahashi. Ishiro San, you old so-and-so. How you doing? It's been a while. It has, it has, but counting the money from all of our financial successes there. <laughs> Every single one of them, a home run. I got Absolutely. a new idea. Do, oh, good. It's good to stay creative in this line of business of ours, you know, producing films and whatnot. Exactly, and I've really been into, I'm, I'm really into the cowboy stuff right now. Yes, I saw you took in, like, the, the John Wayne Film Festival down there at the Man's Chinese Theater last week. I got some funny looks, but I had a good time. As, hey, that's all that matters. So, what I was thinking is this movie with this, like, whole Southern thing, and I, I got a cast already lined up. Oh, good, okay. It, it, it'd be nice to have a resurgence of that Southern filmmaking, because I think Smokey and the Bandit was the last big one. Is, is Burt Reynolds going to be involved? I, not Burt Reynolds, but I got I got one better. Okay, well, let's hear it. A lead actor, playing uh, a Southern man. Okay. Patrick Swayze. Oh. Well, no, I, I, he, he, I think he could, he could do it. I think he's, he's got kind of a, a, a hoaxy look to him. I think he'd be, I think he'll be all right. Uh, what else do you got to shore up the offering here? Well, his wife is Helen Hunt, but don't worry, she's, she's, she's from Chicago. Oh, so you're thinking of doing, is, is it like he's living in Chicago or is she living in the woods? Yeah, they're living in Chicago because you see there's oh. also some Italian mafioso. Oh, so it's like a, oh, it's like you're going to mix Western, you know, a Western with, with a modern American crime. So I'm, I'm guessing Swayze's going to be taking down the mafia to avenge something. Exactly. Represented by Italians, Adam Baldwin and Ben Stiller. Okay, I just want to let you... But Baldwin is yeah. not an exceptionally Italian name. Oh, okay. And I, I'm pretty sure still is... A, he's, he's one of the tribe, like us. Uh, well, uh, you know... Hold on, it'll, it'll work. Just wait. Just, let, okay, let, well, let, they're, they're actors, and I think they'll actors. be able to yeah, they'll figure it it's out. Easy, it's easy. It's really easy to put on, like, a fake New York accent. Trust me. Real easy. Forget Real about easy. it. Yeah, you, exactly. Exactly. So, so those are our mafiosos. What do you got for the Southerns? Because uh, you didn't say... You said Burt Reynolds wasn't involved, so I'm intrigued. Burt, no Burt Reynolds, but I, okay. I, I, I got more Southerners for you. Okay, um, let's hear it. We also got Bill Paxton. Oh, uh, I I think he's from like New Jersey or something, isn't he? Uh, look, I talked to Marty and Marty told me he was good. Oh, oh well, uh, if Marty says he's okay, then it's probably gonna be fine. Well, okay, well, what else you got? Well, then I got the most southern person I could find, uh, Takahashi. Okay, well, I'm I'm looking. To, so it's not Burt Reynolds. No, uh, it's not Burt Reynolds. Okay, and it's it's not 
It's not like Charles Durning or something. No, I couldn't get him. Okay. We got a thing. All right. It's Liam Neeson. The Irish guy? Yeah. Southern Irish, right? I, 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 but still Irish. I don't. You know what? It, it, it'll be fine. It'll be the only note I have here is we shouldn't be on set when that Baldwin guy's around because I've heard some things. So oh, yeah. let's oh, yeah, let's yeah. do it. It's it's not the worst movie we've ever pitched. Okay, well let's. Uh, what do we always say when we're about to get that money, Takahashi? Well, when you can get uh, a wasp and a Jew to play Italian mobsters. That's when the money rolls in. You know when I pick a movie That's when I'm under pressure now The question always comes back to me What were they thinking now? Hey, forget about it. <laughs> you got, it's all right, y'all should forget about it. <laughs> Can you imagine we did these for 90 minutes? <laughs> as long as I was doing the southern accent, I'd be just fine and dandy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Brendan. And I'm Nathan. <laughs> we're not, and we're not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Nate. <laughs> oh, who's that third voice in the background? This is an episode. This is another episode of What Were They Thinking, a podcast where we talk about bad to questionable movies. Mm-hmm. And this week we have a first-time guest. Ooh, a first-time guest. He is a professional wrestler. Yes, is that Absolutely. true? Absolutely. I getting Absolutely. Really... I wasn't sure when you wanted me to jump in there. L- I was listen, thinking. I'm just... uh... I'm just reading my notes here. It says it says yep. you do the wrestling thing. I've never I do, met you before. I do wrestle um. occasionally. It's true. <laughs> and the one uh, he's saying with such derision. Wrestle? Jim Van Horn from back in the day. I don't much care for that fake wrestling stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yes, we have with us first-time guest, Andy Hamilton. Welcome. Hey, thanks very much. I'm very stoked to be here. Although it was quite a chore uh, sitting down and watching this movie, really, uh, you know, had a lot to offer cinematically. As uh, you guys were already going over the cast, it was definitely a lot of questionable decisions in there. Uh, made for quite an interesting time. I don't know why I subjected myself to it, but here we are. I gotta say, Andy. Man, this is a light offering compared to some of the things that we've sat through for this show. We, mm-hmm. we really we really went easy on you. <laughs> you yeah. I was uh, listening we... to what you guys had to say about the Mummy movie not that long ago. Because <sighs> I remember sitting through that amazing Tom Cruise masterpiece and just just always just like almost doing a double take at the screen whenever some scene that was clearly written and directed by Tom Cruise himself would come up and it just <laughs> off-put the entire movie and just make it not like the hero, which is just bad booking 101. Yep. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> if you're facing a supernatural, ever-present evil, you can't be a tweener. <laughs> yep. If I don't come back out of the tomb in an hour, call my kin. 
<laughs> your next of kin. Because that is the movie we are talking about this week. Mm-hmm. 1989's Next of Kin. Um, did, does anybody want to venture a guess as to the uh, budget for this movie? Ooh. Six million. Oh my god. 1989? I'd yeah. give it um, 500,000. 12 million. Wow. Sweet <laughs> Jesus. Um, do you guys want to venture a guess as to how much it made at the box office? Now keep in mind, this is 1989. Patrick Swayze's in it. Like, he's a big deal at the time. 70 million. Uh, 10 million. <laughs> 15.9. Oh! <laughs> At least it made its production budget back. Yeah, production budget, yes. (laughs) Ooh. Yeah, so, I mean, Next of Kin, 1989, cast, I mean, cast, we got Patrick Swayze, Adam Baldwin, a very young Ben Stiller, (laughs) a very young and very green Ben Stiller, um, uh, Bill Paxton, very briefly, Liam Neeson, actually, Ted Levine, very briefly, too. Oh, yeah. From, uh... Silence of the Lambs fame, as most of you will know. Or Joyride, Candy Cane, come on. <laughs> or or Monk, if you yeah. want to watch something that's not going to scar you. <laughs> too Fast, Too Furious as well. <laughs> With Ted Levine? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, oh, I, damn. I must have blocked that movie from my memory. Mm. Yeah. That was a lot was of either... Fast and Furious ago. I think yeah. it was either. I think it was too fast, too furious, or it might have been actually fast and furious. Guys, that was back when they were just stealing cars. Yeah, and DVD players. Yeah. yeah, times have changed. They just recently fought a robot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. They were doing airdrops onto Japan or something in their cars last time I checked it. Yes. <laughs> But Nathan, we're talking about next to kin, so I mean, guide us through. I'm just gonna do a. I'm gonna do a. Uh, it's what. It's got a nice, simple, easy-to-follow plot, unlike mm. the last movie. An easy-to-follow what? An easy-to-follow plot. So, real simple, and then we can just get into the breakdown. Patrick Swayze is a Chicago cop. He is a native of Kentucky. He is specializing in apparently a district in Chicago that is home to a lot of hill folk when they come to Chicago. Mm. Okay? His brother also came to Chicago to look for business after his, the coal mine closed down. Bill Bill Paxton plays his brother, gets a job delivering cigarettes. Mm-hmm. He gets killed one night in a mob shakedown. Patrick Swayze, his brother, is tasked to solve the crime. Meanwhile, his next of kin, the mm-hmm. folks who live in Kentucky... Name drop. Right. We have a title. We have a title. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen... We have a title. Honestly, they kind of beat that title in the whole movie. They're always, <laughs> one of the bad guys will get the last word, and then Swayze or Liam will just be walking away, and they'll be like, something, something, but my kin are coming, or they're going to get you, <laughs> or you're going to have a problem with my kin. And that that makes up a good portion of the second half, <laughs> whereas Bill Paxton's Next of kin, the one from the hills of Kentucky, mm-hmm. head on up to Chicago to, um, could you please uh, just cue up the Avenge Me from uh, Red Dawn, if you don't mind? Avenge me! Avenge me! And yes, they are there to avenge him. So, 
Uh, Patrick Swayze is also butting heads with the local criminal element who he does not know but will know very soon were the ones responsible for the death of his brother. So please, let's get into Next of Kin because we open with the hills of Kentucky and then smash cut to downtown Chicago. They really get that versus thing right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, they re- they hammer it in with the music too. As soon as this starts, you're listening to this. This movie started up, and yeah, it's just it's down home. There's a banjo, there's a fiddle, there's drums or something, and mm-hmm. I was I was bracing myself for uh, deliverance. And then <laughs> as soon as they cut to the town, all of a sudden you're in this downtown place. There's for some reason this weird men only hotel thing going on that scene yeah. that they keep cutting to. And then the music shifts to like bad to the bone or something, some kind of like eighty late eighties rock. <laughs> like they're just beating it in that this is going to be like this hillbillies country versus city thing. And notice, like, they establish to... They're pretty much telling you right off the bat who the good guys are going to be because when they show the southern uh, portion of the opening credits, it's all, like, lush, beautiful mountains and everything. And then when they go to Chicago, it's like, Manoli Hotel, raining, dark. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then they call in Swayze to, to talk down this crazy hillbilly who was, you know, it's revealed that some woman is getting hit on on the bar, and then he, being like a southern gentleman, is uncomfortable with that, ends up in a fight, and because he's from the country, he, like, kills the two guys or something, and he's holed up in the top of this bar. Swayze's got to go in and pull him out, and then the first thing that happens is, after Swayze, with absolutely no country accent, just want to throw that in there, talks him down and brings him out. The the local southern city cop comes up and punches the perp in the face, like just just murks him right there on the side of the road. Keep your hand off my prisoner. And yeah, just just to establish more that they're uh, a marginalized people, I guess. Well, they even say, get Gates in here, these are his people. Yeah. Well, that's so funny because, like, watching this too, I'm like, this is framed as if it was, like, racial tension yeah 100%. right like, like it felt like they could have made this movie with like i don't know in the 60s with like denzel washington as the cop or something or get like you know sydney portier so yeah, well yeah it's like it's like in the <laughs> fucking in the heat of mr tibbs yeah just to paraphrase uh, some of that like casual 1989 racism that sneaks in there they have this whole this scene later where they're explaining to the italian mob leader and that they're just hillbillies and we don't have to worry about them. And he gives this speech about how, you know, they're, I've dealt with all kinds of people. You know, our people were, were marginalized. I'm just paraphrasing in Sicily. And then, like, I've dealt with the Chinese and I've dealt with black people and I've dealt with rednecks. And he just throws them in there like they're all, this is all, they're all equal <laughs> groups to him. And there's nothing <laughs> casual about Adam Baldwin's racism in that scene. No. In this movie and IRL. But who. Just pray tell, who is our person holed up in the SRO? It's uh, Ted Levine. We never see again. Nope. <laughs> it's a quick cameo. Uh, th- I should. Um, funny enough, though, I don't think anyone really knew who he was at this point because this is actually two years before Silence of the Lambs. Oh. Okay. So I think he was still like pretty much just like a working actor. Like, uh, I mean, he still is a working actor. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> 
Yes, <laughs> he was just he hadn't had a uh, a marquee role at that point, or even a supporting marquee role. He spent yeah. the money he made on a sandwich. Yes, ham real ham and egger. Mm. <laughs> so Patrick Swayze is their hillbilly whisperer, basically, <laughs> right? Yeah, yep. yeah. He's the he's the local guy who can communicate in their language. He's that yep. that dude. Although, like I said, no accent whatsoever. <laughs> but he he still gives his like the folksy stuff the all out because well, he's like I used to fish up that way or hunt up that way. <laughs> the way. Oh no, I think you're 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 going into Neeson territory with that accent. Why not? I'll I'll tell you what I would do going down. <laughs> he's Kinnaman. You ain't y'all. You're a disgrace. You ain't no Kinnaman. There's ghosts up on that ridge. I like to imagine that Liam just stuffed his cheeks with cotton balls before he went out there. I feel Dude. that a good portion of this is just going to be us accenting away. <laughs> so what you're saying is Liam Neeson went for the Brando approach? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he, it sure sounds like it. <laughs> so, so yeah, Swayze like, basically talks the guy down and like saves him from getting shot. Yes. Um. Bill Paxton's accent is even crazier than Swayze. <laughs> it's yes. like they're all they know the same creek. They're all from the same place, but everybody has a different accent in this movie. Even the Italian guys. <laughs> mm. I'll get on to that one later. Mm. Uh, the uh, so let me ask you, Brendan, have you ever seen the movie Frailty? Yes. How would you compare Paxton's southern accent in that versus this? Uh, in that one, I, okay, well, I'll tell you what, in that, I think that's one of the first movies I actually saw Bill Paxton in, it's, mm-hmm. which is weird, <laughs> but, um, I thought he was Southern for a while after watching that movie. Okay, so what you're saying is he got considerably better with it as time went on. Yeah, this was like, what, 13 years after this movie, so he was definitely a, uh, a more seasoned actor. Although I'll say this, he was, he was giving it his all, like, oh, he was yeah. trying. You, he wasn't dropping it. It's almost like those three actors made a bet with each other to see who could outdo the other with their accent. <laughs> who can out-southern the non-southerners. <laughs> um, yeah, Swayze's got a nice mullet-ponytail combination as well. To go with the... He, I, I believe that comes standard with the IROC Camaro that he was driving. <laughs> yeah, right out of the glove box. Just boom. Yeah. And this is unfortunate because I'd noted this, and it's Bill Paxton and Patrick Swayze in a scene together, and they're both unfortunately passed away. That is mm. sad. Very sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, baby Helen Hunt is in this. She is. She's also, like, super young. This was... Actually, I think... This movie was the first thing I'd seen Helen Hunt in, and I didn't even really know who she was. Uh, a couple of years after it came out in theaters, it was playing on the television, mm-hmm. and uh, she was in Mad About You at the time, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, what the? Helen Hunt's in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's crazy because, of course, I only saw this movie this week watching it, but immediately I saw it and I was like, that's the chick from Mad About You. That's incredible. I had no idea. I didn't even see her on the credits. <laughs> I think the first thing I saw Helen Hunt, Helen Hunt in while we're uh, reminiscing about mm. Helen Hunt mm. is uh, um, What Women Want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With Mel Gibson. Yeah, she was the psychiatrist, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they make out for like 10 minutes. Because, oh, you yeah. know, doctors 
apparently it's cool for doctors to sleep with their patients as long as they're women, right, Monkey Bone? <laughs> Every <Ooh>. fucking movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> have you guys um, remo- have you guys like reviewed Monkey Bone yet? Oh yes, yeah. We have. Okay, that's I gotta like, I gotta find oh, that one. That's a gosh, like one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I had such a good time doing that one. Yeah, that was a that was a wild movie. <laughs> yeah. So next of kin. Yeah, next um, of kin. <laughs> Bill Paxton, he's working delivering cigarettes, and Swayze's trying to you know keep him in the city because he you know he feels there's nothing for him back in Kentucky because coal mines are shutting down because you know at the time in 1988 the world was moving away from using fossil fuels. Ha ha ha. <laughs> that worked out. <laughs> yeah. But he doesn't want to doesn't doesn't want to uh, doesn't want to stay. Hey, it's nothing for him hair. It's good for you, but I hate it. Don't listen to your brother Briar. Who <laughs> <laughs> names your kid Briar? I can only I can only think that it was supposed to be like a, a childhood nickname. Maybe so, uh, I, theoretically, his name they could have meant to name him Brian, but the pen ran out of ink. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, somebody was playing a prank on Liam Neeson by giving him the hardest name to pronounce. (laughs) (laughs) Brar. Brar. So, yeah, doesn't want to. Next we go, we get to meet Helen Hunt because Mm. Patrick Swayze goes to see her at a recital. I believe, oh, this is before the the infamous uh, shirtless fiddling scene then. (laughs) This is... Yeah, this is before when this is before he foreplays the fiddle. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, zing. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, but there's some weird smash cuts here. We go from the brothers talking to the recital to a mafia dinner and then Patrick Swayze trying to get some from Helen Hunt. Baby Ben Stiller at the mafia meeting. Yes. Mm. Which I was like, man, that's crazy. I know, and the greatest thing is like Ben Stiller is not even attempting an Italian accent. Mm-hmm. No, but he he was from uh, the mafioso's first marriage. So my only thought is that he they were divorced when he was really young and he grew up in Des Moines. Yeah, <laughs> I bet you he was like super stoked when he found out he didn't have to attempt an accent. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, oh. He looks oh, stressed. He looks like stressed as a human being through this whole movie. You know, pupils are all dilated. His eyes are big every scene that he's in. He looks a little confused. I think that's just his default setting in the 80s. Yeah. So the next scene with uh, the fiddle. Mm. And this is the one I saw when I saw this as a kid. It was the one thing that kind of stuck with me as a line from this movie because it's such a terrible joke. Oh no! He's like, "Hey, honey." Oh, he. Sorry, he starts with a bird call because that's a thing, mm-hmm. and says, "Darling, do you believe in the hereafter?" <laughs> then you know what I'm here after. <laughs> and he starts with the fiddle. Oh my god! I also wrote. I also wrote down that that maybe this is a uh, prequel to Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> well, no. If it was, then all of those Kentucky Hill folk would have converged, and they would have been the one uh, to to kill the buddy that worked at the firm with him. Oh, maybe, but maybe Demi Moore didn't know to contact them. Trust me, 
If, if you're married to a southerner, you know about family. He Oof. also says, as a, like, seductive line, do you want to play on the teeter-totter? Mm. <laughs> yeah. And then when she says, I love you, he goes, mmm, you know what happens when you say that to a mountain boy. He gets all horned up. Horned up and chases her up the stairs. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if, like, if they had a better casting choice, if anyone could have saved any of these scenes. Like, I don't even know if, like, the right people could have made this work. I don't, I don't feel any of this needed saving. Um, <laughs> up next, we get the, uh, we get the scene that kind of sets everything rolling as far as the, uh, any sort of a confrontation or conflict goes, because Bill Paxton, not Bill Pullman, and his friend are going on their rounds, delivering their cigarettes to the vending machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Humming rap Humming. music. Humming it, yes. yes. <laughs> I think they, they were having themselves a little conversation about how it's not uh, music because you can't hum it, you can't hum rap, and then they were trying to figure yeah. out how to do it. Just to show Bill, that Bill. they're the same, you know, the, the rednecks and these black people. <laughs> Ebony <laughs> and ivory. I once heard a great quote that uh, <laughs> poor white folks and poor black folks have more in common than poor white folks and rich white folks. Oh. <laughs> That's fair. There you go. Very fair. <laughs> and that was, of course, a quote by Nelson Mandela. <laughs> <laughs> so, the moth. The mafia. They want to take over this business that uh, Bill Paxton, not Bill Pillman, works for. <laughs> and uh, so, the, what their idea is to rob the van and show that you know their the routes aren't safe, forcing the person who owns the vending machine company to sell. But uh, Adam Baldwin, uh, real real gem of a chap, decides. We'll take it a little further because we need to get Ben Stiller's beak wet because this is his first mafia run, as it were. Mm. So this is where we get that that super enlightened, humanitas-nominated soliloquy from (laughs) Adam Baldwin talking about all the diverse cultural backgrounds that he's worked with. And then he shoots Bill Pullman, not Bill Paxton. I mean, Bill Paxton, not Bill Pullman. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, that's what sets all this into motion because Patrick Swayze finds out, of course, his brother has been killed and he is uh, absolutely destroyed. And and not to mention when they were chasing them in the truck, they drove through drove through this like homeless uh, garbage city place that yes. reminded me of reminded me of like Bad Boys too when they drive through that shanty town. Oh, <laughs> favelas, yeah. And then they th- they thought they were going to do a pit maneuver on a cube van. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it seemed like the car was bouncing off pretty hard. I'm not sure they yeah. tried to establish this, that he was uh, a hardened, he was a country driver, he's used to off-roading, so he put up a fight for these Italian guys that are trying to build more sympathy for all these hillbillies that are running around. But those cars <laughs> in no way should have been able to take down that van. Did no. you notice, too, that when... Adam Baldwin is doing his whole thing with Bill Paxton. He says something like, Bill Paxton says, like, I ain't gonna give up my truck or something, or you ain't taking my truck. And that's when Adam Baldwin kind of goes, oh, you're a hillbilly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) You didn't notice that from the very beginning? (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) And 
Ben Stiller is not comfortable with the shooting, as as Andy said. Ben Stiller's not comfortable with it throughout the entire movie. I don't. I don't think that it was the shooting. I think that those are legitimate reactions from him when Adam Baldwin <laughs> decided to ad lib that soliloquy. Well, did you notice when he said the Jewish slur? Ben Stiller actually perked up the most. I don't. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I think Ben Stiller at that point was worried he was never going to get another job. <laughs> he's like oh god what can you just make this a one shot <laughs> he's not acting that's what's happening here he's just he's yeah. stuck they, maybe they didn't tell him it was a movie maybe they just drug him into the van like he literally has a line that says hey what are you doing and I feel like he was just asking Adam Baldwin what he's doing with that <laughs> acting choice <laughs> so Baldwin he gets some shit from uh, the mafia Don and uh, they're consigliere or their counselor improv coach del close right and he basically sets he plays it off like how was i supposed to know his brother was a cop look i did what needed to be done boom and next uh we've got uh bill paxton heading home and they send his body home on a freight train and don't worry none that i don't go first class that's like the only Randy Travis song I don't know. <laughs> That's a pretty abstract one. That's pretty out there. I was going to say, for some reason, I know, like, I used to listen to, like, two of his CDs over and over when I was a kid, because my, my mom did, and... I'm guessing it was 8x10, old 8x10, and Always and Forever. Uh, definitely Always and Forever. Because that has Forever and Ever Amen on it. Yeah, I'm gonna love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was I all those songs. Anytime I hear a line of that, I'm just like, I'm like Cartman on South Park. I have to finish the song. <laughs> yeah, that track is fire. I can't do anything till it's done. We absolutely have to cover Black Dog at some point because Randy Travis is throughout that movie. Guys, he doesn't open his mouth. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. It's just, you know, we're doing a really good job acting. I think you did a great. I mean, I'm just saying. You know, you're just gonna act. You're gonna open your mouth. I don't think so. <laughs> He's like the laziest lip syncer ever. <laughs> <laughs> and we we find out that uh, Swayze's estranged from his family uh, yeah. because he moved to Chicago. And they're but very uh, Waltons-esque when they greet each very other. Very much. Yeah, because their family is very important to them. And this is, I guess that's what we're supposed to set up here is that even though the mafia Italian guys are, you know, they're bad guys, but they're also not vi- super different from the Southerners or the Hill folk because family is first and foremost to them. Yep. So yep. they're also similar to the Fast and Furious family. Right, because they're all about family. <laughs> what was it again? The family. 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 Oh man, can we when do a this crossover become with beautiful talk? <laughs> oh, that fucking interview is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so we we have we have the funeral uh, for Bill Paxton with the goofiest we, photo ever. Gerald? No, is that it? Is that his name? Yeah, Gerald. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they. Well, I mean, that's that was the. There was nothing goofy about that photo in like '88 and '89 because that's how everybody's fucking that, high school that graduation looked like. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you're looking, if you pay close attention at this funeral, because I, like, I rewinded at this part, everybody is singing except for Patrick Swayze. 
And I don't know if that's because he's too cool or he didn't know the words to the song because he moved to Chicago, but, you know. I'm, he is definitely supposed to, like, feel like he's a former uh, person being there, not he's no longer in the loop as far as the family goes. Mm-hmm. But this is the scene where we, this is the stuff where we really start to hear, like, Liam Neeson's accent. Yeah. Because like, we get that when he goes to visit Brar at his trailer, uh, replete with fucking deer head sitting in the fridge. Which, oh, you know what? That was great. I'm a hunter. Not a thing. It's not a thing. And <laughs> yeah, what do you do with the head? Like, is he waiting to get a taxidermed? Or well, that's it, right? When I had my stuff done, you know, it's. It goes to the butcher. If I'm getting any taxidermy done, it goes to the taxidermist. I don't put it in my fridge at home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, he literally he cut the head off this deer in the wild, presumably. Hopefully, he yes. like skinned it, did something with the rest of it, and then he just took the head home well, and right in the fridge. Yes, if if you're hill folk, you don't want to, you know, not use parts of the deer that you can use. It's literally just dripping blood in its fridge. It is, which yeah. is highly unsanitary. Yeah. yeah. Eyeballs and everything, like, this uh, yeah. is literally the whole head. Also, it's at this note that I want to point out that this movie, <laughs> we know who we said, like, all these, like, people aren't Southern, they're not Italian. Mm. This movie was also directed by a British man. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> We've almost hit, like, everything. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's like the, it's like the wrong trifecta. <laughs> Uh, and I don't mean like you got your trifecta wrong, but you got a trifecta of the wrong people doing something. <laughs> <laughs> Everything except for uh, actual Southern people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this is where we get to actually meet all of, well, for the most part, all, as far as we're concerned, of uh, the Gates clan. Or the Gates of Hazard, as I called them. Because they lived up near Hazard County, as was noted in some of the earlier dialogue. Uh, we got a snake handler. Uh, we got a hatchet thrower. We got a kid who's practicing with uh, bow and arrows, which was not uncommon. And uh, sidebar, and, that kid also has a rat tail. Yes, which was also not uncommon in 1988. Mm-hmm. The, ki- the kid also has a line that I feel like he forgot what he was supposed to say halfway through. Oh God, yes. No, sir. I just killed the man that shot Uncle Gerald. Is that that the take you're going to go with? Okay. All right. I want to do one more? (laughs) No. No. So they, this is where the the men folk decide eye for an eye is the way to go. Hammurabi. Yep. And uh, Swayze's like, y'all let the Chicago police find that killer. Yep. And they're having none of it. They're like, we know cities, Truman. We ain't gonna let that happen. Yep. So they, they take the Truman and Helen Hunt, take the the train back, and there's a weird shot of Rob Zombie out hunting for some reason. <laughs> yeah, this is when the weird <laughs> shots start to come into the movie. Like, all these little filler <laughs> snippets that they sneak in there. Yeah. <laughs> and Phillip. then... By the way, Filler Snippets? That sounds like a good band, too, Nathan. <laughs> My oh, next damn. punk band? Yeah. <laughs> filler <laughs> Snippets. Uh, all right. So 
we've had all this talking about the about the hill folk from Kentucky. What are the mafia guys up to? Oh, right. Ben Stiller is now running that vending machine company, and there he just took uh, Joey's office, which oh, that being Adam Baldwin. Adam Baldwin, yeah, 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 just to create some tension between the brothers now. Yeah. Well, they're not, they're not actually brothers. The the family. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he's like, I think, I think the idea is that Baldwin was supposed to be like next in line. Um, and then the, the Don or the mob boss or whatever was like, well, my son wants to get involved now. And now Adam Baldwin's like, well, shit, now the son's going to be next in line. Yeah. You know, now that you say that, that makes a lot more sense because I kind of thought this whole movie that Adam Baldwin was the older brother who was just kind of like more of a thug and that's why he was getting sidelined. Oh, no, no, no. no. Yeah. Your way makes me worth way more sense. But, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, he may not have been the Don's actual son, but he was probably, like, the, he saw the Don almost as, like, a father figure because he wanted to please him. And, and now that the actual blood relative's son is coming in and he doesn't have to do anything to please the Don, I that's what pisses off Baldwin's character. Yep. So, I mean, the, the that dynamic is there even if they're not actually blood brothers exactly mm-hmm. or next of kin hey. <laughs> uh truman going around trying to figure out who killed his brother looking for the uh file of the fellow who was in the truck with uh bill paxton because he got away yeah and he ran he ran so far away <laughs> He just ran. He ran all night and day. He he had to get away. <laughs> I, that sounds familiar. <laughs> hmm. But the file's gone. There's no file. Nothing in the file because they though they don't want anybody finding him. Wait, Ben Stiller's in this movie. Do you think that's where he got the idea for that Zoolander scene? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Where'd all the files go? You gotta wonder. <laughs> they killed. Uh, so they killed Gerald Gates there, and then weeks have passed. Like Swayze's grieving. They sent the. He traveled back down south for the funeral. He came back. He started the investigation. Why have the Italian guys track down the guy who was in the truck with him? I feel it's because they're afraid to go to the project because of what happens. Next. <laughs> That's true. Because Gates, Patrick Swayze, he leaves uh, to go try to find. Uh, the fellow who was with his brother, Bill Paxton. And they've got this weird long shot of him driving up a hill. (laughs) And then another weird... uh, They continue with the same shot of the mobsters leaving to trail him. They are terrible at trailing people. Mm. He takes them to the... (laughs) He notices them right away! Yeah, you want to get as close as possible. Yeah, they peel right out of the driveway after him, too. Like, they're not getting paid by the hour. (laughs) No, so he takes them to the projects, um, and then he pays some kid to give them some bad info. The whole time they're running around looking in the projects, Patrick Swayze, I think, has also paid some other people off to strip their car of parts. Yeah, I wasn't sure if he just paid that one kid off, but then I guess he did pay that all those other kids off yeah. to, to do that. Yeah, to be fair, that yeah. kid might have just done it be because they were white guys in suits running around in the projects. 
But it all seems like it happens in the span of two minutes, and they they're up they're on like the fifth floor of this building. It's like they went straight up to the fifth floor for some reason. They thought Swayze was going to be up there because they seem awful high. And the you can see in the background that their car is off in the distance. And when they well, notice the kid it, gave uh, them a room number. Yeah, but when they uh, they notice it that their car is getting jacked, though, it takes them. By the time they get back to the parking lot, the tire, every piece of that car that can be removed is gone, and you, not even in sight, like, gone. Which was also a, another fantastic gag uh, or trope from movies from the 80s. If, you live in a, if you're going to a tough city, people, remember, watch your car, because it will be stripped within seconds. <laughs> <laughs> or you at least lose your stereo. Yeah. Is this so, where Swayze goes to meet with the Dawn or whatever? No, actually, uh, Liam Neeson has decided Patrick Swayze is not going to be taking any sort of form of justice and has decided to head to the city himself, gets himself a nice uh, men's-only room, hotel room, mm-hmm. and goes out uh, on some recon uh, where he sidesteps some attack dogs. And I was like, man... No hashtag dog punch in this episode. <laughs> Break broke the streak. Yeah, because he goes. He's trying to find out where, um, like where these guys all work. Uh, you know what they are because he wants to know the where he's gonna be hunting. He's approaching it like he's hunting bears or something. Yeah, and and he breaks into like their little warehouse. Uh. And man, at one point, it just becomes stereotype versus stereotype. Oh wait, but before I just wanted to mention, before, just before that scene though, Swayze does confront the the mob guy because he goes into their other place, and because because I wrote down because I wrote down that it's another stereotypical scene because it's basically like, hey, I'm an Italian mobster. Don't mind me. I'm just making the <laughs> yeah. sauce. Oh right, because he goes to the like their their gentlemen's club. You guys aren't gambling, are you? Where's Vinny? <laughs> yeah, and he just rips up their the ledger, whatever, like their uh, yeah. yeah. Or whatever. I mean, and yeah. he's trying like basically what he's trying to do is he's he knows how batshit insane his family is, so he's like, mm-hmm. if you don't tell me who killed him, so we can take him in and there's justice served my kin are going to descend upon the streets of chicago and it the feathers are gonna fly and uh you know the mafia don's like "Uh, i just make sauce i'm a businessman who runs a vending machine company oh Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, likely yeah he's probably thinking to himself who says kin like who even used this word like in conversation (laughs) every day (laughs) You know, but then, of course, before Liam Neeson runs off to do his confrontation with the other side of the Italian group, he does one of the most critical plot devices in this movie. He gives that note to the guy who runs the the men's only hotel that he also is staying at that says, if I'm not back by morning, I need you to call my kin. Yes. And that comes into play. Yeah, because not like a lot of other movies that we do where they'll introduce something and we never see it again. This actually does get called back, thank God. I'm going to point out a major, what I think is a major plot hole, though. Um, if he had just called them in the first place, <laughs> it would have been a lot easier of a Well, mission. I think what he wanted to do is that he wanted to 
it was his brother that got killed, so he wanted to be the one to do it with his own hands. Yeah, but I feel like the backup, at least. But that, I, I, I maybe, but, I mean, I, we can, we've already been shown that Brar isn't exactly the most, uh, like, he can, he can plan a, a, an attack, apparently, or a raid, but he's very headstrong and stubborn, so if he's gonna do it his way, he wants to do it his way, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He's just gonna find him and shoot him. But then that's what essentially what he tries to do because he goes on kind of a, a hillbilly raid after this, and he goes in, he cuts power, uh, he shoots up some pinball machines. There's a sweet Gorgar machine there that gets destroyed, and I was so upset. Yeah, Liam Neeson versus video games. I get it. <laughs> so what you're saying is that uh, Jack Thompson definitely approves of this movie. <laughs> who? <laughs> Jack Thompson. You don't know who that uh, is? No. He's the guy who wanted to like uh, rid the world of Grand Theft Auto and Doom. Oh yeah, he's oh he's God. a big next of kin fan. <laughs> well, no, it's just that he's under the impression that um, violent video games are the sole cause of all the mass shootings in the U.S. Oh yeah, well, oh, sounds like a brilliant guy, right? Yeah, he's right. got all his facts together so, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> research is tight. So we 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 know that um, Liam Neeson can plan a raid, but he doesn't have sense to wear a mask or to not tell everyone his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, and then one of the mob guys has no sense to, like, not tell the cops that he knows the guy's name. Yeah. He's like, didn't you just tell me it was my brother Briar? And he's like, no, 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 no. And, like, we, it could have been. It could have been a mistake. We, we don't know. It was dark. <laughs> so, I guess... The Mafia now wants to dispense their family justice and disguise themselves as three-piece wearing <laughs> pizza, pizza delivery, delivery guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say this right now. I have never ordered pizza from a restaurant and then had a person show up in a suit. Uh, Brendan, uh, we could start it. Make a million. You gotta get fancier pizzas. <laughs> that would be the name pizza. of it. Oh, I was thinking Pete suit. Nah. Pete zoot suit. No, because then they'd have to wear zoot suits. Exactly. But you want a fancy three-piece, nice Italian suit. Hey, listen, I'm not married to any idea. No. <laughs> You're married to more of a concept. That's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's at this point I've noted, oh, so they're part of disorganized crime. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so right as they're uh, they're chasing Liam Neeson, and once he gets away, because they after these pizza delivery guys go there, obviously the the guy who runs the uh, hotel or whatever you want to call it um, doesn't get, want to give them any information. They immediately it has fallen apart, and they draw their freaking Glocks on this guy, and they're like, "Tell us where Briar is, like which goddamn room it is, or we're gonna blow your head off." And so he tells them which room it is, like yeah. any reasonable person would at that point. And they end up yes. chasing Liam Neeson up onto the roof, and then he jumps off of the roof onto a train, and he's running on top of this moving train. And he was confused because he's used to double-decker buses being from <laughs> Europe and all. Yeah. 
it's also at this point, yeah, it's also at this point uh, that I, I wrote, this is kind of like a Taken movie with, like, Patrick Swayze kind of a bummer in the way. Yeah, it's kind of just, there's also, like, they kind of split the heroism between the two of them a little bit, <laughs> you know? So this... Well, and it's also, like, it's almost like Liam Neeson's trying to be that character. Patrick Swayze's like, nah, gonna leave it to the cops. So what you're saying is where Patrick, not, no, Patrick Swayze, where Liam Neeson obtained his particular set of skills was the hills of Kentucky. Exactly. Hunting, yes. uh, Makes sense. boars or something. A deer, <laughs> deer and just chopping their heads yeah. off and leaving them. We don't know hatch. what he used to chop off that deer's head either. It could have been his hands. I I I hundred percent figure that that's what happened. Yeah. He just ripped it right off. Antler by the antler. Yeah. This or just some like really sharp ice. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you want to talk about a dangerous looking human being, if you go to exactly fifty nine minutes and thirty seconds in this movie. <laughs> As the Italian guys have given up and they're leaving, we get another amazing just random snippet, if you will, filler snippet, about to drop yep. 2019's hottest Christian rock album. And uh, it's of uh, this old lady just poking trash with a stick. It, it reminded me instantly of that Monty Python sketch from the Holy Grail where the peasants are just moving dirt with a stick when the knights are coming through. She's like, oh, there's a bunch of Italian mobsters in their suits moving around. She's just, I'm just over here poking my garbage, working away on the dumpster. It's also like you got to imagine like that extra was like, what do you want me to be doing? Like, do you, can I can I have any busy work? Like, am I just, just staring? He's like, I don't please, know. Poke, poke, garbage poke some stick. garbage if you. She's will. either somebody's <laughs> grandmother or she didn't know she was in the movie. Like, this is just what she was really doing. <laughs> So we're in a kiss of the vampire type situation, or vampire's kiss type situation. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, oh. yeah, so Neeson's got this big this big action set piece. He's like sitting on the train and jumping around. Yeah. He gets he does get away and yeah. um you know, he goes eventually ends up at a bar. And we've mm. got this like just on the nose music cue after him and Swayze oh had, yes like, their brother fight because <laughs> brothers fight that's what brothers do oh. um later we find out they also hug but uh there's a cue for a song that's just a song about brothers sung by Patrick Swayze which is not his first time on a uh soundtrack he was also he sang she's like the wind for the <laughs> dirty dancing soundtrack I want to uh, point out as well that this is a scene of Liam Neeson with a, like a busted nose sitting in jail being all sad, and we just listen to that song for a full 46 seconds of just holds <laughs> on that shot and lets that music go. Also, maybe I'm, maybe I'm like, I don't know, maybe this is something I don't know about, uh, but if it's a holding cell, isn't it an actual cell? Because he's just like in a chain link fence. It's just probably just the drunk tank. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's totally just a chain link fence. Okay, because I, I, I uh, full disclosure, I will not say this person's name, but I have a friend who was in the drunk mm-hmm. tank uh, one night, and she said that uh, well, it was like, Mariah. It was Cell. It was Mariah. No, it wasn't Mariah. Absolutely, it was not it was Mariah. Mariah. <laughs> no, I can guarantee you. It was She's not. out there waving her dick around and <laughs> whatever. Look at my cock. It's huge. And just waving it around and getting arrested yeah. by the cops, drunk and disorderly. 
Go ahead. So point being, this person said it was a real cell. So that's why I was like, what the fuck is a chain link yeah. fence doing? We got a guy here who has no respect for the law of Chicago. He can jump onto trains and he can rip a deer's head off with his bare hands. And he's just hanging out behind this chain link. He's just grooving on it. Well, I was, I was going to say, but the cops don't know that. But the mm. cop that arrested him does <laughs> yeah, know for a fact. that he can at least rip a deer's head <laughs> off with his bare hands. Yeah, he saw the deer head. Swayze knows. <laughs> <laughs> but now I think Patrick Swayze gets some really good news at this point, right? Yes, he gets attacked on pregnancy. Yeah, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Like, a, like an RKO. <laughs> Boom! Took us a while, but we got it. We yeah. mentioned he was a wrestler at the beginning of the episode. Trust me, the wrestling reference was there. Yep. That's too <laughs> Low-hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we get this this, this pregnancy thing that's kind of... it's It re- really seems tacked on. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they go looking. Uh, he actually takes Liam Neeson out of the drunk tank so they can go look for... Uh, bill paxton's friend and they apparently run into the jazz bar mafia (laughs) which i want to say too um (laughs) do you remember that controversial liam neeson interview earlier this year yes okay having when he was in the bar with like you know all of the african-american people that were in there all i could think of was that interview and i was like oh no this is uncomfortable in hindsight (laughs) well yeah but I don't think I don't think he uh, I don't think the incident that he referenced in that interview happened like the week before he started filming this. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been crazy? Oof. Yes, that would have been absolutely more awkward. Liam's like <laughs> Liam's like I got an idea for a scene. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're we're lucky that he didn't get to uh, write and direct and like Tom Cruise. In the mummy. Oh, geez. very good. Yes, actually, that that does not happen. Thankfully. Yeah. Uh, so they they get into a bit of a, a scuffle at the bar. Uh, Truman's trying to tell him, "Keep your cool. Let me do the talking." Because I'm from the city. You're from the hills. He almost instigates a gunfight. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. Uh, mm. Meanwhile this is happening the mafia guys go back to the sro and they find all of his guns and shit because they they want to take his guns to frame him yeah they want to take yeah yeah neeson's guns yeah yes which is surprisingly cerebral for these guys at this point in the movie (laughs) (laughs) given some of the things that happens with their their driver yeah. <laughs> yeah the fact that they were able to think this one out is amazing yeah. to they me. find the guns under the floorboards and they have the wherewithal to just take them either maybe they just didn't want liam to have them i don't know they they reminisce about uh fighting over a lady named betty jean mm-hmm. brothers hug because this is their reconciliation kind of moment um, oh yeah they sense the, they're talking about this girl they were fighting over and then uh, Liam says that these days she's a real scuzz bucket, and uh, yep. that stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then they're like, ha, 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 "We loved her, and now she's yeah. ugly. <laughs> she's hideous. Everybody lives in buses. Ha ha ha." <laughs> now, so I guess the next thing is they they want to drive the conflict between the two families. They have. Uh, Adam Baldwin show up and throw what I thought was marinara sauce in Helen Hunt's face. I wasn't sure what it was. Uh, someone I was watching with thought it was paint. 
Yeah, I wrote down that I was like, she wasn't even wearing fur. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? And he's an Italian ninja because he shows up, throws it in her face. When she clears her eyes, no trace of him. And if he's an Italian ninja, um, Nathan, that means he's going to have to pick between military service or jail. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, now that that camera right after he it turns around we have oh Helen Hunt's vision that's where the camera is we're looking out of her eyeballs yeah. and that marinara comes right in and then it cuts away and he's gone it is yeah. he's thrown a marinara smoke bomb is what's happened <laughs> and he just houdinied out of there on a big pasta related trail and vanished another, another great band coming, marinara smoke bomb <laughs> coming next summer from Canon releases Italian American Ninja <laughs> 2019's greatest ska sensation is coming to Toronto. It's Marinara Smoke Bomb. <laughs> Opening for what? Mariana's Trench? Weird Al. <laughs> Weird Al. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so this set's kind of sets the plan into action. Uh, Gates is, he's full in now because they've kind of attacked his family. Uh, Liam Neeson finds out his guns are gone, and he goes and uh, takes a shotgun from a bar. Mm-hmm. Smart. Yep. Well, yeah. And because he's going on a raid, and he does not go for stealth at mm. all. You know, it kind of feels in moments like that that we actually are watching a Taken movie, but yeah. just for some reason we're following the wrong character. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I I was thinking that throughout the entire movie. I was yeah. like, Patrick Swayze is just like the bummer that's yeah. like r- ruining and, his. Yeah, and movie. instead of all the extra like torturing and mangling and violence, we get Patrick Swayze is going to be a dad, and then all those other little side bits are like you know he's out having lunch or something. You know, the weird yeah. part of his day while Liam's out there kicking ass all day long. <laughs> Yeah, well, that sets up into one of my favorite parts, um, where uh, oh, they've gone them back. Getting ready? To, yeah, they're getting ready. They're they're at Patrick Swayze's house, and Liam's staying there. And then for some reason, Patrick Swayze he gets up early and he leaves to go. I can't remember. He's trying to find some more information about something. But Liam Neeson sleeps in because he had a pretty hard day, and uh, <laughs> he wakes up and he goes downstairs and he's like, "Where's Swayze?" And then Hella Hunt in there is like, "Oh, he left earlier," and. And then Liam Neeson just reviews the whole plot of the movie right there. And so he's like, all right, so like he's going out, he's going to go kill those guys for himself, not realizing he's just looking for information. He's like, but I'm going to get there first and I'm going to kill these guys. Like, I'm not going to let him get away with this. Like, he betrayed me, yada, yada. And then he storms off. And this entire scene takes place in front of this like eight-year-old kid who's trying to have a violin lesson yes he's just standing there just the camera's at his back you can't even see the faces that he's making but helen hunt's there and then liam's just talking about murder this murder this and i'm gonna go murder this guy he looks like he just crawled out of the bush you know and he's got his freaking gun in his pants and he's ready to go out and flatline this guy i would i would love it if a music cue started up and then halfway through it, Helen Hunt turned to the kid and said, that's not the song I told you to play. <laughs> yeah, she just started cranking out Ride of the Valkyries or something at that point. Yeah. I, I think the kid can forward all his therapy bills to the Gates family. Yeah, oh yeah. my god. So, this is setting off the Appalachian War. Well, yeah, well, Swayze, first of all, gets himself killed. No, Neeson gets himself that's killed. That's what I mean, right. Right. Yeah, he takes out like four so, guys and he dies in in above the arcade. 
And Adam Baldwin yep. has a great one-liner. He says, sleepy time, Gates. <laughs> yeah, quality <laughs> bad guy bad. talk. It, no, no problem just rattling off a screed of racial epithets earlier, but when it comes to a good one-liner after you killed somebody, sleepy time, Gates. <laughs> nap, Not nap. your best, Adam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Betty, bye. <laughs> somebody need a nappy? Boom, boom. Yeah. And now, this, so, is, this is days later from when Liam Neeson left that note for the guy at the hotel, and... Like, to be fair, Liam Neeson stayed at Patrick Swayze's house that night. But for whatever reason, the guy at the hotel, they cut to him. He's just watching the news. And then he just remembers that he has that note from Liam from earlier. And he calls his kin. (laughs) I I was actually going to defend that until you mentioned he spent the night. Yeah, you got to think about that part. Because I I didn't think about it at first. But, oh my god. like (laughs) Because I can see, like, every night that he goes out... He talks to the guy and says, "Remember, if I don't make it back, call McKinnon." Yeah. <laughs> and but he doesn't make it back the next day, not because he's dead, but because he's yeah, you know, he, he's sleeping at Swayze's. He's got a nicer bed and stuff. And then, but then the guy sees, and it doesn't even show that it's Liam Neeson on the newscast that this hotel guy is watching either. He just knows that a maniac went off, and he knows vaguely it was Italians who were on the receiving end of it, and the guy died. And so that's when he yeah. just calls this guy's family. What if he was wrong? What if it was just a random happening in the town? <laughs> you know, now all of a sudden all these hillbillies, they got their, their bows and their snakes and their dogs and stuff. They're coming into the city <laughs> by the bus load. And, like, it could have been for nothing. The best part about them prepping for the Appalachian War was that the wives were packing picnic lunches for them. Yeah. <laughs> Literally sandwiches and saran wrap. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, yeah, you gotta, you know, shooting, shooting Italians gets y'all tired. It, yeah, well, no, it works up an appetite. It, does, it absolutely yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and uh, we did forget to mention when we got to meet the uh, Gates clan back in the better part of the movie uh, that one of them is a snake handler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he's got a busload, literal busload of snakes. Such a uh-huh. weird choice. Yeah. <laughs> and no one's riding with him. No. Did you catch that scene? Yeah. When they were all gearing up mm-hmm. to leave and they're like, okay, I'm going I got lots of room. Lots of room for folk. And they're like, nope, nope. The only one that ends up riding with him later is the dude who owns the flop house. Yeah, for some reason the yeah. hotel guy jumps in there. He's like, hey, I'm down. I need a ride He's over. Like, well, you know what? <laughs> He works in an SRO hotel in downtown Chicago that's populated by mostly hillbillies if we're, you know, if we're going by what the first of the movie said. So, yeah, he's seen some shit. Yeah. That's not going to phase him. Yeah. Exactly. It's so weird because he's such a – he's got all these signs around him like like there's no free rent. This is a business. Like no guests overnight. Men only. All his rules. But then for some reason, for Liam Neeson, he'll jump in a busload of snakes and <laughs> truck off to the cemetery to get in on the action. You know, like he's just there for his buddy. Or he really also, hates Italians. Um, one plot. One plot deta- I, I think it's probably the second one. <laughs> one plot detail that we uh, shouldn't skip over is the fact that Adam Baldwin uh, set up Ben Stiller. And use that gun. We mentioned framing Liam Neeson, but he mm-hmm. used Liam Neeson's gun to frame, uh, to frame it to as frame like Liam Neeson. as him killing Ben Stiller. 
Yeah. Yeah, because he tortured him and, like, burned him alive and shit. Yeah. It's and weird that they did that whole thing off screen. I was wondering about that. You just come back, it's like, you go to the washroom and you come back and you have Ben Stiller's <laughs> charred corpse on the screen. And it's like, it didn't even, they didn't even let him act it out. They just, it all just happened. Like, here's a body. You know, he did his, like, three scenes. He's out. <laughs> Extra I'm crispy wondering if, mm. <laughs> I'm wondering if this was shot out of order and one of the last scenes they shot with Ben Stiller was that truck scene, and he was like, I'm not comfortable being in this movie anymore. <laughs> yeah, so they used an extra. They, just, they, they wrote him out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. But, yeah, because, like, so so um, Adam Baldwin is, like, bragging about it with his buddies, too. And one of the guys he brags about it, too, like, calls the Don just to let him know that he's bragging. Yep. Yeah, that he did it. He's just running his mouth. This guy's got a big mouth. He's... Yeah. And they uh, this it leads to the the big action set piece ending, where there's like a total all out war in the in cemetery. cemetery. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, Nathan, you know what we got in this scene? Oh yeah, the bird calls. Oh no, <laughs> I'm talking about something even greater. Ooh. What's that? An axe to the chest. All right, <laughs> freaking axe gang shows up. <laughs> yep. Well, because as we said, one of their their kinfolk uh, was adept at throwing axes or hatchets. Yeah. Mm. And lots of bow and arrows, mm-hmm. crossbows, all that, all that stuff. They got all the and old they're communicating swag. with bird calls. Yep. Mm-hmm. The little bloodhounds are running around, and it's around this part of the movie where Patrick Swayze starts getting his country accent back. From the moment, the moment that police badge leaves his hands, there's a twang. Oh, yeah. I swear to God. That's, that's right. He turns in his badge. Yeah, classic 80s move. I'm done. I'm going with my kin or something. I don't care what he says, but the badge is gone. And then all of a sudden, for the whole rest of the movie, he gets a thicker and thicker accent the longer he's around his people. Part man, part cop, all yokel. Yeah. And part man, part cop. Patrick Swayze is mop. <laughs> so yeah they're just they lay in waste to graves patrick ta- patrick takes a shot uh not of liquor but he gets shot did anyone um, not notice when patrick swayze gets shot the camera's behind him like you're pretty sure he got shot because he kind of flails a little bit and he tucks behind this giant monument but he says hey that's his yes, reaction yeah. to being shot he, he also ADR. he also uh, when he's about to shoot someone, goes, "Hey, just like Red Dawn." <laughs> like, hey, <laughs> yeah, he gets hey to get their attention. It sounds like they might have used the same audio. Like maybe they didn't capture him doing anything when he was pretending to get shot, so they just threw a hey. But like, it's because is, he's a he's brave, he would never <laughs> shoot somebody in the back. <laughs> is Swayze insisting that these go in his movies? Because he when he did it in Red Dawn, uh, Nathan, you and I were like talking about how stupid of a move that is. Yes, why would you <laughs> lose the element of surprise? <laughs> right. I mean, it pays off better for him in this movie, but still, yeah. he yeah. loses his compound bow because mm. he's at first he's hunting mafiosos with that. Loses that, but luckily he had a crossbow stashed in a pile of leaves. Yeah. They don't really talk about that. It just kind of happens. Like the, There must have yeah. been a scene where he was like MacGyvering the entire cemetery, and then they decided that they weren't going to go with that. <laughs> oh, why did and, they cut that? Yeah. And during this, 
this is towards the end of it. It gets really, really bonkers because there's bear traps. Yeah, they've uh, they've released the hounds. This is <laughs> yeah, also they run down one Italian guy. Ch- yes, and the um, I'm surprised that they didn't. He didn't have like one of the the graves rigged to launch that deer head out and just spear someone <laughs> with the antlers. <laughs> That would have been the perfect comeback from the start of the movie. Oh, oh, that would have been delightful. If this was canon films, that would have happened. Yes. Yeah. Then one of the Italian guys could have gone like, "Oh dear," you know, it would have been oh, spectacular. God. It's just like that uh, that polar bear scene in fucking uh, Roadhouse. <laughs> polar bear fell on me. <laughs> oh. So yeah, so it, it, all of this is working towards. Uh, Truman uh, duking it out with Adam Baldwin. Yep. Uh, and we, you know, he, they do it a bit, um, but it's kind of put the kibosh on it. The Italians do, uh, because the Don shows up and t- basically pulls a gun on uh, Swayze, and they show they also have one of his family or one of his kin. Yeah. Uh, so that stops the fight, and you think, uh, okay, well, they're go- he's going to shoot Patrick Swayze, but it's a twist, mm-hmm. and he shoots uh, shoots Adam Baldwin because he he knows now that it it was actually Adam Baldwin who who killed Ben Stiller. What are you doing? This is for killing my son. And he said, and basically they're like, "We cool, yeah, we cool." Well, because he gives him back his brother's knife. Yeah. I don't know how that... I. How how did the Don get his Bill Paxton's knife? Uh, um, there was a scene at the start of the movie um, where yeah. um, uh, Adam Baldwin, Baldwin was explaining how, how he had... That he didn't just kill that hillbilly out of cold blood. He brings up the knife and said that he was trying to kill Zoolander, so he had to shoot him in the head. This is the knife to prove it. He, I took it off of him. And then the guy's like, oh, well, thank you for saving the Ben Stiller. You know. Oh, like so that. the Don kept it. Yeah, apparently he kept it as a memento. Oh, weird. Yeah. <laughs> this is weird. the knife that killed yeah. a random dude. Well, it was 89. Maybe killer. he gave it to a kid, and then he realized he needed it back, and he just went and took it. <laughs> No. Possibly ungifted it. <laughs> yeah, so he gives he gives the knife back to Patrick Swayze, and then we get this weird, you know, wrap up montage thing where I'm not sure did Patrick Swayze file a report or his resignation. Oof. Yeah, um, is he on vacation or <laughs> he's got he's got diplomatic immunity? Yeah. No, only Liam Neeson would have diplomatic immunity in this thing. Or the dude from Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> yeah, right. he does it almost things, so. So yeah, that was that was next to Ken. Yeah, that is that's pretty that's much it. it. So Andy, yeah. As our guest, mm-hmm. would you uh did you recommend this one? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um you know, if you want to feel like you've had that experience of dealing with your extended family, just uh, sit down and watch this movie. It's like the authentic experience. <laughs> you know, assuming your your family's from the country and they hunt and they murder. <laughs> okay, so what you're saying is well, this is how I should deal with most of my family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, get them all, get it all over with at once, one big gesture. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nathan, oh, I recommend it, but I'm I am kind of a. Uh, 
a, a bit of a Swayze fan, uh, and I feel this is often one of his more overlooked films. So yeah, I recommend it. I I recommend it as um as a as a as like a cheesy movie. <laughs> like like it's, yes, it's it's not yeah you're not it's okay it's not too Wong Fu. Okay. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> well, I mean, if if I could think of you know, one of the best movies where Patrick Swayze actually made a, like a legitimately good movie that tackled some issues sort of head on. I think of Tu Wong Fu mm. because he's playing against character heavily in that movie. So, yeah, no, I would say it's uh, it's super fun to laugh at and it's pretty <laughs> dumb, but it's uh, it's entertaining. There's yes. a lot of really good, very authentic 80s moments in there, too. So if you, oh, you yes. want to learn a bit and about the 80s, check it out. Lots of authentic Not... accents, too. Oh. And, like, yeah, any movie where 10-year-olds are using real archery sets, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's set in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, um, that being said, I think we should take a brief break here, and uh, we'll be right back. What Were They Thinking is brought to you by HostGator. HostGator is a leading provider of shared, reseller, VPS, and dedicated hosting solutions. Award-winning support is available 24-7, 365 days a year via phone, email, and live chat. Discover why over 9 million websites trust HostGator. Use the coupon code SCHLUCK for 25% off your first purchase. That's SCHLUCK, S-C-H-L-O-C-K, for 25% off your first purchase. What Were They Thinking is brought to you today by GameItAll.com. Whether it's video game news, the latest in music, or movie reviews, GameItAll.com is your one-stop shop for all nerdy talk. What were they thinking? And we're back! We are back. (sighs) Nathan? Uh, Yes, Brendan? And, uh, Andy. Hey. <laughs> wow, that's uh, overly aggressive for NPR. Yeah. Almost um, toxic masculinity. <gasps> get right down to it. Ooh. Oh, man. Andy, you really need to settle down. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to take it there. easy. There yes. you go. As we discussed before, we are a woke podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's time for the low haiku. What is the low haiku, Nathan? Well, the low haiku is where we take 17 syllables and take the movie that we've just been talking about and pack them as tightly and concisely into those 17 syllables. Exactly. Andy, as our guest, would you like to begin? I, I sure would. I would okay. say, okay. I feel like I'm on one of those late night jazz radio talk shows. But well, mm. it's, it's it's NPR. Mm. So. Brought to you by Uncle Frank's potato chips. No flavor whatsoever. <laughs> All right, here I go. I would say, real scuzz bucket. Stiller died off camera. Camera, shirtless fiddling. Very good. Very good. All right. 
I have one line that's sort of similar to Andy's. <clears throat> okay. Hillbilly justice. Baby Ben Stiller is whacked. South did rise again. <laughs> Ooh. Very good. Very good. I thought Thank they you. were I thought they were from northern Kentucky. Well, Kentucky is south. <laughs> from <Okay>. here. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Very good. Okay. Hillbilly police. Is Neeson Southern Irish? Kentucky vengeance. Ooh. That's good use of syllables. Thank you. Thank you. And I do try my hardest. Very good. Now, uh, we're going to have to draw out. Oh. Should we get back up? Hey, top 40. <laughs> Next on the countdown. Next up on the top 40, Casey Kasem. <laughs> Jinky Scoob. <laughs> Well, now that we're out of that, uh, I don't, I don't. Again, it happens every week. I'm not sure why, but uh, we're out of there. So Nathan, we uh, we talked about this movie. We gave our opinions, our comments, our thoughts. But what do we always say? Well, we always say. Don't take a word for us. So let's head over to Rotten Tomatoes, where I'm actually kind of surprised. I'm not. Because the critics um, said 60%, so it's yep. borderline fresh. Just the, barely. The audience is a 44. Ooh. I thought it was going to be flipped. Yeah? I did. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair. To be fair. There's, the, the, there's only like 10 critics reviews. Right, because they would have been collected from major publications at the time, it being, you know, the late 80s and all. So the first critics review I pulled here um, is because it's from James Evans at Starburst. Like the candy? <laughs> I, I mean, it just says Starburst, so... Okay. Uh, I believe it's probably written on the back of the package somewhere. Um <laughs> A truly wonderful film, spending time to build character and atmosphere before unleashing a brutal and exciting final half hour that pays off every expectation. That is the most glowing review <laughs> I think we've ever read, of critics-wise. Uh, I got Luke Y. Thompson. Why? From, hey. yeah, the, from the New York Times. Okay. He writes... Bunch of rednecks get mad and seek revenge. If that sounds good to you, have at it. <laughs> you know what? That's a perfect review because it's just like, if you want that, then here you go. <laughs> it delivers what it promises. This is from uh, Mr. Wonderful's brother, Brian Orndorff mm -hmm. uh, of Blu-ray.com. Next of Kin isn't a dazzling picture, but there's personality about it that eases the blow of idiocy, keeping the adventure of Truman Gates' redneck cop alive and well. Ooh. Yeah, I got a pretty harsh one over here. Okay. 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 Uh, it says, This is one of the worst films made by many of the cast. Oscar nominee Liam Neeson as a hillbilly brother of Patrick Swayze. Ha! Exclamation point. Bill Paxton and Oscar winner Helen Hunt went on to much greater success than Twister, but seem to be just paying their dues here. Ben Stiller looks miserable. Unfortunately, <laughs> Patrick Swayze has made too many films like this one. He actually seems to belong here. Truly laughable from start to finish. I never even thought about the Paxton and Hunt thing. Mm, yeah, I didn't same either. Here. 
<laughs> Shit. So this is after Twister. Yeah. What a twist. Only. Oh. oh this, this, is bef- this would have been before Twister, well before Twister. No, no, yeah. no I mean, cinematically, it has to be after Twister, because Paxton dies in this one. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. If they're in the same universe, that's true. Yeah, this yeah. is definitely, like, Twister's definitely a prequel. Yeah. Um, shall we go, uh, uh, do you have any more critics ones? I was going to go to the audience here. No, I, I'd say that one sounded like an audience review from Andy, so I think mm. that's a good cue to jump into the audience reviews. All right, well, Nathan, I I picked this one out for obvious reasons. This is a really quick one from Scott T. One, yes. One star. And he just says, worse than Cliffhanger. Woo! <laughs> this is funny, because we did Cliffhanger, like, what, four, a month ago? Three just weeks ago? Just a little ago? while ago, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'd say this is more entertaining than Cliffhanger, maybe. I don't know. It's about as intelligent. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, Bill S. writes, Slow-moving and melodramatic thriller, but Swayze and Neeson make this a worthwhile one-time watch. Uh, Boom. Wow. Yeah. The only reason why I, my cadence was weird like that, because he put a period after worthwhile. <laughs> like it was the end of the sentence, and then the next sentence is one-time watch. It's Ooh. weird because... Usually these have such amazing grammar. Yeah. Right. I have uh, I have a good one for you, Brendan. Okay. Um, this is from Tammy Dash uh, Twenty. I really liked <laughs> Next of Kin. Liam Neeson did a great job as a hillbilly. Hard to believe he's from Ireland after watching this film. Talk what? about versatile. What? I don't know what movie she watched, but uh... does Tammy have uh, have ears? Maybe she's thinking of a different uh, European. <laughs> Um, Iggy A, I'm going to assume that's Iggy Azalea. It has to be. Uh, gives it one star and says, What do a director from England, an Irishman, and Ben Stiller know about being a redneck? Skip this piece of garbage and watch Blue Ruin if you want a good old hometown revenge story. I'm just going to say one thing, though. Ben Stiller is not playing a redneck. He's not. <laughs> so, and then the other one real quick here is just three stars from Lee P. It says, Cheesy ropey but entertaining stuff what the fuck is ropey i don't know yeah that's look that one up it would be like pants we'll have to look it up and talk about it on a later episode maybe he meant tropey could be yeah autocorrect got him (laughs) Ooh, here's one from aaron 1375 the plot (laughs) was for me much better than roadhouse i don't i don't know that's it. Excuse- Let's not say things we can't take back. Yeah. Excuse you, That's a Aaron? leap. That's a leap. Yeah. <laughs> I liked this movie, but it is no roadhouse. <laughs> I used to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> <laughs> I got one from Michael S. here, and it's pretty succinct, actually, and I never really kind of thought of it. At least the first part of it is, anyways. Imagine TV's Justified as a late 80s drama and you get next of kin the cast is the most impressive part patrick swayze liam neeson helen hunt bill paxton anna baldwin ben stiller as a mobster son and the one-armed man from the fugitive as the mobster oh so. i didn't i didn't know it was that guy i haven't seen the fugitive in a long time yeah that's new to me <laughs> um this one is from uh 
question mark Chrissy question mark that's the name she okay. gives it five stars and she says I really love this one because it reminds me of my kin we all fight but don't mess with one or you get us all good movie <laughs> okay uh, this one I kind of enjoy uh, this is from Dundee the Great um, oh, cool. this is excellent and it says Daniel Baldwin is great as the bad guy <laughs> I thought I really enjoyed that since that's the wrong Baldwin. That's the yep. that's the joke there. <laughs> uh, um, okay, I got one more, and then if you guys want to okay. do any more, you go right ahead. Um, one more from Benjamin H. He gives it three and a half stars. He says Patrick Swayze, rednecks, snakes, and a battle in a graveyard using bows and arrows. You can't get more erotic than that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It depends what time of day you watch the movie. <laughs> I can't top that. I'm yeah, out. tag out. Yep. Hot tag. <laughs> yep. Another wrestling reference. Um, okay, well, uh, is Montrose there to uh, talk about, uh, you know, this stuff? Stuff? Yeah, I can yeah, probably get him to talk about stuff. Andy, uh, a monkey is about to join the podcast, Andy. Oh, Here that's exciting. Yeah. Hello! It's good friend Montrose Monkington III here. Uh, as always, I do invite you to uh, check out my YouTube channel, Montrose Monkington TV, on the YouTube. Uh, uh, Mr. Andy, uh, you may enjoy it. I do cover a lot of the wrestling. I do like the graps, oh. as it were. I just want to know so. where this podcast found a monkey that could do a hillbilly accent that good. Oh, you see, I I've been taking elocution lessons. You see, oh, is it not a? It's it's a, it's not a far step from from Southern England. So to go to to go, I'm Southern England here, and check it out. Watch, watch. I'm from Southern Georgia now. You see? Oh my God, that was incredible. That was. You cannot cannot, cannot even tell that I'm I'm actually from Europe, but putting on this accent. That's it. That is legendary. That is the stuff of. Uh, dreams are made Thank out you. of. <laughs> yes, well, I do appreciate the kudos. Uh, if you do want to uh, exchange words with me, uh, pleasant or otherwise, you can also find me on Facebook. A uh, nice little group, uh, Montrose Monkington Third Esquire and Friends. And then, of course, also, uh, if brevity is the soul of your wit, uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Montrose the Third. That's the number three R D. Thank you. More later. Adieu. <laughs> Thank you, Montrose. Now, before well, I... Uh, both of you. Actually, we oh, should do... Sorry. We should uh, give a little hint-ski. Actually, no, we don't need to give a hint-ski because you know what's coming up next week, Nathan? Oh, is it that time of year already? It's that time of year. The red carpet is rolling out. It's time for the third, right? Third annual. Third annual Manos Handouts. Who is going to take home the gold this year? I'm, you know, get your. I'm getting my tux pressed. I am. Uh, I'm going to wear my best dress overalls. Good, good. In in the spirit of next of kin, even though they are not in, they're ineligible. Uh, but you know, for next year, of course, they right. will be in the in the offering. Yeah, it's it's um it's. Uh, I don't remember the exact dates of eligibility, but yeah, the last few movies are not eligible. But uh, it's like September to like the end of July or something like that, or August, the like beginning that. of August to the end of this past July. 
So right. anything in the in that territory is fair game. Going to give it lots of awards, some guests, some music. It'll be a gas. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's next week. So I guess we don't really have a hint for you for the movie. Um, but uh, enjoy that. Um, Andy, thank you for being our guest this week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me, hooking me up with that movie and everything. It was a pleasure. <laughs> and uh, do you have anything to plug? I know you have like Twitch and all that stuff. Yeah, well, absolutely. I uh, do some professional wrestling, hence all the uh, wrestling, well, the few wrestling references we were able to make in there. I'm uh, Pat Persuasi, which uh, really makes you think these guys did not stay uh, up all night thinking of who they would have as a guest for this Patrick Swayze movie. <laughs> Could have been a typo. I don't know. Anyway, um, so if you want to catch me wrestling live, you can check out NWA anytime. Um, look for Pat Persuasi, or you can go to twitch.tv slash Pat Persuasi there as well. It's uh, spelt like you're trying to persuade someone to watch Dirty Dancing. Right. <laughs> and are you on the, the Twitter as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I am Pat Persuasi. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, also you can follow us on Twitter and, and Instagram at WWTT Podcast. You can search for us on Facebook. Just search for What Were They Thinking? We're on all the podcatchers, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Uh, you can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash WWTT Podcast. And you can find us on TeePublic as well as Red Bubble. Ha! Huh. But having said all of that, once again, before we get into the final questions that I have for Nathan, uh, thank you again, Andy. It's been a blast. Absolutely. Uh, again, thanks for having me. This was uh, great to do. Hopefully I'll see you guys again in the future. You will hear us again in the future. We will hear you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, maybe someday our paths will cross at a local wrestling show. Perfect. So, Nathan, now that we've come to the end, I guess I have some questions. Okay. Well, go right ahead. Well... I mean, no doubt this movie is, you know, cheesy 80s gem. Right. Late 80s. Mm-hmm. And, but having having said that even, I mean, you have a movie with a bunch of Southerners from Kentucky. Yes. Right. And you have Patrick Swayze, who, like Andy says, kind of slips in and out. Yeah. Um, then you have Bill Paxton, mm-hmm. who kind of is a little cartoonish. A little. And then you have Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah. Who's... Yeah. Irish brogue is almost as prominent. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would end there, but then you have Adam Baldwin doing the most, like, forget about it, Italian accent. And you have Ben Stiller with no accent. Right. And, I mean, I don't mean to focus on the accents, but that's my number one thing I'm hitting here, so I gotta ask you. Okay. Casting directors. Mm-hmm. What were they thinking? I heard you like movies. 
I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucker. Hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say. Ah. 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 All that good fun stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> you. <Yeah. laughs> don't, don't, don't run the listeners away, PJ. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace.